Hey, this is Kyle Papineau. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church in Orange County, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you and it helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab your Bible. And if you received a text from the church at all, you will know that um, uh, we are going to be out of the book of Mark today. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Um, and I'm going to read just a, a little Bible story and just enjoy it. But before I do that, got to say congratulations. Um, I, I know it, it might look like they're already having marriage difficulties, but they're not. Actually, uh, Susan is serving our nursery today. But we just want to congratulate Simba and Susan on their marriage. And uh, God bless you guys. Uh, they just had a, a beautiful wedding last Sunday afternoon and uh, just was so cool to be there and to be a part of that. Congratulations, Simba. And we are, uh, we're glad you're in church today. Also, several of you have uh, come up to me and said, hey, where's Barbara? Barbara is at home today. She uh, twisted her ankle yesterday and she just, she can't walk today. <laughs> so she is just home on ice Barbara, I love you. I hope you're watching, and uh, keep the ice going. Uh, I'll be home in a little while. Also, we wanted to, uh, uh, we wanted to say thanks on behalf of uh, Pastors Kyle and Brittany and Pastor Barbara and I for your love and your generosity last Sunday during Pastor Appreciation. We feel so loved and so appreciated by you. Thank you for being a part of that. Can I tell you a quick little story? I preached two weeks ago. And when I preached, um, I walked away from that sermon not feeling really good about that sermon. In fact, feeling horrible about that sermon. Several of you were kind and gracious and said, boy, that was just a, a great word. And it's like, fantastic. I'm glad God could use that. But um, uh, I just personally did not feel bad about or did not feel good about it. And I went home and it only got worse as the day went on. And Sunday night, it was like, oh, God, I am so sorry. Uh, the things that uh, you had laid on my heart, I don't feel like I have effectively communicated. Monday morning, I got up, and I still felt so heavy in my heart. And it's like, God, I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm sorry about this. And, and the whole sermon was about reading God's word and getting into God's word. And so uh, Mondays are normally our day off, and so I had to return uh, a ladder over to Costa Mesa. So I loaded my truck, took it, delivered the ladder, and on the way home, I received a text uh, from Pearl. I don't know, where, where is Pearl right now? Did she, oh, she's out at the refreshment table. There she is. Okay. And um, Pearl said, I was sitting in a class, and she said, a classmate of mine said, hey, look at this cool Bible that I found. It's, it, it's really old. And um, he was looking through it, and he said, it belongs to a guy. His name is um, Phil Papanian or something like that. And she said, Phil Papano? She goes, that's one of my pastors. She said, that, that's his Bible. Well, she didn't know it, but uh, uh, this Bible is like my Bible. I've got probably, I don't know, 20, 30 Bibles all over the house and just, you know, using different study Bibles and reference Bibles. But like 
The Bible that I always use is, is this one. This is like my, my go-to Bible. And um, I lost it. I lost it when we were doing small groups at Vanguard. And I know the classroom that I lost it in because I went back the next day and looked for it and could not find my Bible. It was gone. And so I had been without my Bible for uh, this particular one for well over two years, about two and a half years. And she said, this guy just sitting next to her found it. And so she said, I can bring you your Bible next Sunday. And I was like, oh, so cool. And it's like, isn't that the way that God works sometimes? That, you know, I felt so low and so bad about the message that I had conveyed or not conveyed. And it was all about reading God's word. And it was like God just telling me, hey, you know what? It's okay because my word does not go out without a return on it. And other people were blessed by it. And so I, I just, I, just a, a cool little story that, hey, I got, I got my Bible back, so I can be a Christian again. No, <laughs> no it's, just, uh, it's just so cool. I, I, I bought this Bible when I entered the grad program um, at Vanguard. Um, and to tell you how old this Bible is, uh, I bought this Bible when Barbara was pregnant with Pastor Kyle. And so uh, well over 30 years I've had this Bible, so I feel much more confident today knowing that I've got, I've got that one back. Um, how are you guys dealing with all the uh, chaos in our world? Are you guys enjoying it? Are you enjoying mask mandates? Are you enjoying vaccine mandates? No, it's just like, you know, it just... You know, to that sort of on that, to, to be honest with you, as as a church, here's the way we feel. If you want to get the vaccination, that's great. If you don't want to get the vaccination, that's great. We believe the choice is yours. But there are so many different messages out there just on do I get vaccinated, do I not get vaccinated, the, the goods, the bads. Uh, of mask, uh, of that. Um, uh, how about all of the chaos that our, our nation is under with racial equality? Critical race theory, should it be presented, should it not be presented? Um, um, the rights of parents in, uh, in making choices of education for their children. Uh, uh, this past week, we saw a, uh, a governor who was not reelected because he made the comment that parents do not have or do not have a right to tell school boards what their ch- uh, children should learn. There's just there's chaos everywhere. Um, uh, you know, th- there's there's chaos of how do we as people receive uh, people that are part of the LBGTQ uh, movement and and their beliefs and. Do we integrate that into the church? And uh, just to say, we welcome them. We love them. They're great. They're off as far as, as that belief that saying homosexuality and all that is, is, is okay. Uh, and, and that's not our call. That's this book's call. Okay, but, but there's chaos over it. 
everywhere. There, there's chaos. There's, there's chaos over our economy. Uh, we heard again yesterday, if you're going to buy Christmas gifts, you better buy them quick because what's on the shelves now is all that we're going to have. And uh, stores like Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, you know, you can go down different aisles and, and see empty shelves. You can go to the grocery store and see empty shelves. And it's like, you know what, we're not used to that, but the, the whole supply chain has been fouled up. And because of that, there, there, there's chaos everywhere. There is chaos over should I work or should I not work? If I don't work, uh, I can draw unemployment and I can make as much, if not more, on unemployment as I do work. How does that line up with what Jesus says? How do all the geopolitical uh, messes all over the world line up with what Jesus says, with what happened in Afghanistan, what's going on with us and China and Russia? There's just, there's chaos everywhere, everywhere we turn. There is, uh, you know, we only have to look at our borders to know that there is chaos. There's chaos over, over the border issue and, and how we should handle that. The world is just full of chaos, and that's just stuff that's out there. That's not even talking about your own chaos that you, you, you go through and you live through. Uh, is anybody here living in any type of personal chaos right now? Or am I the only one? Okay, because uh, I've, got, I've got some chaos going on in, in my world. Yeah, you know what? I think if we're honest, we would all say, you know what? Uh, my world is a little bit on the chaotic side. So what does Jesus have to say about all of this? I want us to look at a Bible story today. Um, I want us to know how we should be. Not how we should act, because we're not supposed to act. We're supposed to be. That's the whole point of like the be attitudes. That's why they're called be attitudes and not do attitudes. Because it, it, it's, it's God just trying to teach us how we should be, how, should, how we should live. A couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about my orange tree. Okay, first one. Okay, and this was the orange that I had picked. Uh, doesn't really look like an orange, does it? Looks more like, a, more like a lime, maybe. But when we put the word of God into us, we don't always see on a daily basis the change, but over time, the maturity level grows and intensifies. My orange tree today, my oranges are not orange yet. Here, throw up the other one. Let me see if I can catch that one-handed there. Uh, my, my oranges are now, oh, they still have got a little green on it, but, but they're, they're, they're getting there. They're, uh, they're, they're turning. Do you, do you see the difference? I can't tell you what day it went from this to this. But every day, abiding in the vine, the vine of, of the tree, every day it gets a little bit, a little bit better a little bit more mature, a little, it grows a little bit. The oranges are now getting bigger. They're getting better. And boy, come Thanksgiving, generally a little bit after Thanksgiving, I can start picking them and eating them. And I look forward to that, okay? And that's the way the word of God is in us. The word of God in us is, is bringing us to a point where we can grow and we can mature. And that's what this 
passage of Scripture is all about. So if you have your Bibles, let's look uh, for, uh, at Mark 4.35. This is how Isaiah describes it first. So you don't have to look this one up, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. Isaiah 28.10 says it this way. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. So what our goal is, is to move from this to this. You may not see it overnight, but it happens. It's real. And one of the things that I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, was simply this, that we need to allow scriptures to read us. So we don't simply read scriptures, but we allow scriptures to read us. So let's look at, um, let's look at this passage of scripture here. Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squaw came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want to take this Bible story and kind of break it down a little bit because it really talks about the chaos that all of us live in. You see, for the people that lived around the Sea of Galilee, the, the people that lived near bodies of water, they, in Jesus' day, saw water as the habitat of evil. Okay, they thought the water is where demons live. Uh, if you, you can read about it in Daniel 7.3, it talks about the beast coming up out of the sea. You can read about it in the book of Revelation that the, the dragon comes out of the sea uh, and, and the dragon being Satan himself. And, and so they, they thought of, of the water as being this, this evil place. Uh, the, the, the people thought that demonic monsters lived in the water. No person had control over the water. Okay, now, the Jewish mindset was a little bit different. They had a, a, a little bit clearer understanding of what was going on. In the Jewish mindset, uh, God was the creator, and it was only God that could control the water. Okay, so remember, uh, keep in mind that during the story, you have two different mindsets. One, that evil works out there in the water, and that only God can control that evilness. Okay, the, the waters were chaotic, much like the world we live in today, very chaotic. Things are just out of control and beyond 
what we individually can either deal with or change ourselves. But yet we find ourselves in the midst of chaos. If you, uh, if you look and, and do a, a deep dive, no pun intended uh, of doing a deep dive into the water, but if you do a deep dive into the linguistics of what is being said here, uh, throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the open seas and lakes were really about the, uh, about the same. So let's, with, with that little bit of, of history, let's dive in, so to speak, into verse number 35. And it says this, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. So the first question that we have to ask is, what day? What day is he talking about here? He said, that day, um, let's, let's just look at what Jesus had done that day. Okay, and that day really begins back up in, in chapter 4, verse 1. And again, he began, uh, this is chapter 4, verse 1, and he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into the boat, and he sat, it, uh, sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude uh, was on the land facing the sea. Okay, so there's Jesus sitting in a boat and teaching, and the reason he hops in a boat is because multitudes, and it doesn't say how many, I'm going to guess probably a crowd of around five to 8,000. And the way that they counted crowds was they just counted men, doubled that, and then you add in children. So if you had a crowd of 5,000, you probably had 5,000 men, 5,000 women, and maybe another 5,000 children. So when they say, oh, there's about 5,000 there, really what you're saying is there's about 15,000. Well, without uh, microphones like this and without speakers like, like we have in here, uh, Jesus wanted to be heard uh, by, and he wanted everybody to hear what he had to say. So he had this great idea. Let me just hop in a boat, push me out a few feet so he kind of steps back, but Everybody could see him, and because they were on these hillsides, these grass-covered hillsides, everybody could see and everybody could hear. And so Jesus sat down, and he started to teach. And so he teaches them in chapter 4, uh, and I'm not going to take time to read all these, but he taught them the story of the sower and the seeds. And then uh, in verses 9 through 12, he taught his disciples why he taught the crowds using parables. Okay, so he taught a parable, and then he explained to his disciples, here's the reason why I'm doing this. And then uh, in verses 13 through 20, then he had to explain the parable to his disciples. And then in verses 21 through 23, he tells another parable about uh, not hiding a light under a basket, but set it up where it's going to cast out the most light. And then in verses 24 and 25, he teaches on, um, on taking in more of God's word. And in verses 26 to 29, he tells the, uh, the parable of the growing seed. And then in verses 30 to 32, he tells the parable of the mustard seed. And then in verses 34 and 35, he did more individual teaching with his disciples on why he used parables. Okay, so <clears throat> teachers, I, I know this much about teachers. My wife is a teacher. Teachers love it when students ask the right questions. They love that. 
okay? It means that you're, you're kind of tracking with them. Nothing will frustrate a teacher more than having disinterested teachers. And so Jesus is teaching, but his disciples aren't really getting, why are you doing this, okay? And you do that all day long in front of about ten to 15,000 people, and you have to explain everything that you're saying after you say it, after a while, you get tired, you get frustrated, okay? And that's what Jesus was. Remember at this point, this is kind of early on in Jesus' ministry, and he's, so he's willing to teach, but yet he's frustrated that, that, that they're just not getting it. And that's what's happening in, in verse 36. So let's move on um, from there in verse, uh, th- or that happens in 35 in verse 36. He finally, this happens. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. Okay, so imagine imagine the scene here. Jesus near the seashore, you know, um, I, I know I love baseball. And uh, uh, one of the teams that I absolutely, though, cannot get behind cannot support at all because I'm a loyal Dodger fan of the San Francisco Giants. Okay, I just, I just, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. No, nothing against them, but, well, maybe there is a little something against them. But anyway, uh, if you've ever seen a game uh, from uh, Oracle Park, they have what they call splash landing home runs where you can hit a home run and you hit it over the wall, over the people, and actually into the ocean. And there are inevitably, whatever game is played there, there are a group of boats out there, and generally it's guys like on kayaks and things that can move around really quick and, and, and just get in because they all want to get the baseball, okay? And so they'll, they'll, they'll race for it, you know, and, and, and try, to get the, try to get the baseball from the splash landing, okay? So maybe you've seen that type of a scene where you have other boats kind of crowding around the main thing. That's what's happening here. Jesus is teaching, okay, he's like the splash landing, and he is giving nuggets of truth, and people want to hear, and so, you know, man, the ones that are on the way on the the top of the lawn are probably saying, hey, you know what, if I would just go get my boat, I could just take my boat and just kind of paddle over near where he is, and I could hear real well. So there were other boats with him. There were also people that were kind of like uh, uh, little clonies. That they, they just wanted to be near Jesus and wanted, wanted to find out what was going on. So they got in their boats. And so there were all these, all these boats around him. And then there were people on the shore that was listening to him. Okay, do you have the scene in your, in, in your head? And so he, he, he tells his disciples, uh, leaving the crowd behind, so leaving the, the, the thousands of people on the hillside, I'm out of here, I'm done for today. Catch on the flip side, okay? That's basically what Jesus has told him, and not in those words, obviously, but then he's hopped in his boat, and he said, guys, let's just let's get away from here. Let's go to the other side. So they, they get in the boat, and, and they start going to the other side. Have you ever tried teaching somebody something, and they just don't get it? Is that frustrating? Have you done that as uh, maybe as a parent, maybe as uh, a teacher, maybe uh, a coworker on the job? But but you've you you've 
shown them a shortcut or a good way of doing something, and they just haven't done it. And they, they keep repeating. It's like, it's so frustrating, okay? Uh, probably the hardest is with small children and becoming a parent. You know, you, you, you look at Michael down here with a little one in his, in his lap, and she's just so peaceful. But, you know, three years old is going to come to that child. And, and you're going you're gonna to tell her different things to do different things, and uh, not going to happen so easily, okay? It gets frustrating, and that's where Jesus was. And so it says that they, they took him along just as he was, but really he was very frustrated at the time. Look what it says in Mark, uh, 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 moving back up a little bit right before this story, it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 33, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear, okay? In other words, as they were able to understand it, and they weren't getting it. They just weren't getting it. But without a parable, he didn't speak to them. And when they were alone, then he had to explain all things to his disciples. So he's just teaching and teaching and teaching, and he's just worn out. And he says, guys, I'm done for today. Let's go to the other side. But the scripture here says that they took him along in the boat just as he was. Were they taking him along? When it says just as he was, were they taking him along as a tired, frustrated teacher? I think, I think that's the attitude that some of them had. This guy's worn out. Let's just get him out of here, okay? The, the day is done. But yet, if you just go back, now this is only like the fourth chapter of the book of Mark, okay? If you go back in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and you look at everything that Jesus has already done, they should be getting a clue as to who he is. Because by this point in the story of the book of Mark, he has already baptized John, He's already been tempted by Satan. He began his Galilean ministry. He called four of his disciples. He casted out an unclean spirit. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed the sick and casted out demons. He preached in Galilee. He cleansed the leopard. He forgave sin and healed a paralytic. He called Matthew and then had a dinner party at Matthew's house with other sinners. He questioned uh, he was questioned about fasting and his disciples not fasting. The Pharisees questioned him about the Sabbath. He healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath in a synagogue. Big no-no right there. To heal a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath in a synagogue. He dealt with growing crowds and the paparazzi. He had already confronted demons. He called and commissioned all 12 apostles he was accused by the scribes as being demon-possessed. He taught about sin and the unpardonable sin. He dealt with the internal conflict within his own family. Plus, he had preached all day. Okay, that's a lot. That's a, and that's only chapter 4. And he's already done all that. So Jesus was used to chaos all around him. Much more than the people were. And it says, they took him in the boat just as he was. Just as he was. Who was he? They didn't totally understand it yet. 
but they had within the boat the Son of God. They had the Messiah, Christ. But they just thought they had a tired teacher on their hands. So verse 37 says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Okay, storms arose on the Sea of Galilee. That is a fairly common occurrence in late afternoons and evenings. These fishermen, though, spent most of their days fishing. You would think they would know the lake, but the fishermen stayed close to the shore. They didn't really go out into the middle of the lake a whole lot. They stayed close by because that's where the fish were. You have to understand that the Sea of Galilee is one of the lowest points on earth. It's 700 feet below sea level, okay? And so it's surrounded by these hills. On the east side, you have the Golan Heights that we hear about even in our news today from Jordan. And they rise up about 2,500 feet above sea level. On the west side, you have um, uh, Mount Abel, I believe it is. And it rises, it's really a hill. Uh, it rises about 1,500 feet above sea level. So you have these hills on both sides. And so in the late afternoons, when it gets after a hot day and it cools off, the wind comes down. It's sucked down into the water. And that's what causes these storms to, 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 uh, to come upon them. Now, you have to understand, too, that the, the Sea of Galilee is relatively small. Okay, like if you take our great lakes, our five great lakes, and you make, make it like 10 feet deep, do you know how big of an area the, the Great Lakes would cover? It would cover the 48 lower United States. 10 feet deep of water, okay? They're massive. They're huge, okay? This is not that. This lake is, is relatively small. Uh, maybe some of you have seen Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe is bigger than the Sea of Galilee, Okay, uh, it, it's, it's not very big at all. At the widest point, it's barely eight miles. At this longest point, it's only 12 miles. Okay, so from anywhere on the shore, you can look out over the body of water and you can see everything around you. You can see the entire shoreline of the whole lake. It, it, it's that size. So it's not like going to, to Newport Beach or Balboa and looking out and say, wow, look at all the water. No, it, it's... it's, it's it's much smaller, but it's because of where it's located in this bowl uh, below sea level, and it sucks the wind in that, that causes all the chaos of the water. Uh, you, you may have heard of the Sea of Galilee being called different things in the Bible. It's called the Sea of Kinnereth, uh, the Sea of uh, uh, Gennesaret, the Sea of Tiberias. John refers to it as just the lake. Uh, but uh, the Sea of Galilee, it's, it, it's a lake. Okay, it's very small, and at the bottom of it is a little river called the Jordan River. That's where Jesus was baptized, and it just flows down uh, probably, I don't know, oh, 40 miles or so into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is, then again, basically a lake, but there is no life whatsoever in the Dead Sea. It's just so full of salt, but it's fresh water. It's fresh water up in the Sea of Galilee. Now, you might say, why are you saying all of that? Because the people in the boat, they were ignorant of what was going to happen. That at any point in time, on a beautiful day, the Sea of Galilee 
can turn from a peaceful place into a place of just great, great chaos. And it happens quickly. Isn't that the way that chaos comes in your life? Everything can be peaceful, and then in a moment's time, it's like, boy, life can just get chaotic. It can get out of control. Didn't see all this happening. Didn't see this coming. We can look at the externals of our world, and we say, okay, I can kind of see things happening around me uh, that are causing chaos, and not much I can do about it, but even in my own personal life, I, I really can't, I, I can't do much about it either. So what happens? The sea is the place of impending disaster. It is the embodiment of the sphere of disaster for these people. Verse 38, and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion, and his disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, uh, this is their term, teacher. That, the, notice they didn't call him the son of God. They didn't, they didn't equate the fact that he had cast out demons, that he had raised the dead to life, that he had done all these miraculous things. They weren't equating that with Jesus at this point. At this point, they were simply equating him with teacher, rabbi. You have taught all day. You're tired. We get that. So Jesus is tired. So what does he do? He takes a nap. Sounds legit to me. Everybody, everybody in favor of naps, say amen. 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 There you go. Wouldn't you love to just go home and take a nap this afternoon? Yeah, do that and be very biblical. Okay, just tell everybody around you, I'm just being biblical. I'm taking a nap. I'm being like Jesus right now. This is, this is my Jesus time. That's right. That's, that's rest. It's, there's peace. There, there, there's this contentment in that. And so you can sleep when there's no chaos. When life is chaotic, you have a hard time sleeping a lot of times. So Jesus finds a cushion, throws it in the stern, and he falls asleep. So his disciples come to him and they say, teacher, not son of God, but teacher, don't you care if we drowned? In other words, look, you've taught me good things. That's great. But to really take control, don't know if I believe you as that person yet. You have to remember that God who is supreme over the forces of nature is the God who reigns in your life. And if he can take care of the courses of nature, he can take care of the chaos in your life. And he says, the, the disciples say, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? You, you know what they're really saying? Wake up, you lazy teacher. Okay, we don't expect you to do much, but at least you can get up and help us bail water. Here's a bucket, Jesus. Get busy. That's what they're saying. The, the, you don't read it in the story, but you read between the lines here. That's what they're saying. We, we've, we've loved your teaching. You've done good, but this isn't about teaching now. This is, a, this is real life over here, Jesus. The chaos that we're in, we need real answers, real solutions. Can't you at least help us by bailing water? Wake up, you lazy teacher. Look at verse 39. 
He got up. What, what, what do you expect him to do? What do you expect him to do? What you expect him to do, he doesn't do. What you expect him to do is say, well, oh, give me a bucket. Jesus, you take this side of the boat. I'll take that side of the boat. Perhaps we can put off the inevitable. We're not going to make it. But at least by bailing water, you buy us a little bit of time. And that's, that's what they were expecting. He got up and he did something totally different. Jeremy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this off for just a second here. The words here really don't, don't convey what Jesus is doing. Jesus' wording is not wordings of a teacher. He's been teaching all day, showing patience, showing kindness. But it says here that he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves. Now, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, he didn't say, quiet, be still. When you walk into a chaotic mess, what do you do? You tend to take authority. Jesus got up and he said, quiet, be still. It's a military command. This is not a simple request. This is a demand. This is a military command. You must behave. Now, I can put this one back on. I won't yell anymore, Jeremy, I promise. So, that's what he did. He yelled it. He took command of the situation and he said, Quiet, be still. What were, the, what were the people in the boat thinking? What would you be thinking if somebody did that? Why, he's a nut. We've got a nut job on our hands. He's not bailing out water. When was the last time you talked to the wind and you talked to the waves in the midst of your chaos? But that's exactly what Jesus did. They thought he was crazy until the wind obeyed, calmed down, and the sea instantly went back to peace. Remember that the people thought that the demonic lived in the waters. So for you to talk to the waters... You had to have control over the demonic. Let's, let's simplify it a little bit. For you in the name of Jesus to speak to chaos means you have authority in Jesus' name over chaos. And you can say to the chaos in your life, quiet, 
be still. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And that's what we need in our lives today. To be able to look at the chaos in our life and say, God, in the midst of all the chaos that I'm in, I just need your peace. Give me your peace. Peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is different than the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all, all of those. Third one, love, joy, peace. In other words, we have the authority to call up love into our life. We have the authority to call up joy in our life. We have the ability to call up peace in the midst of our storm. He got up, he rebuked the wind, and it was completely died down. <laughs> like a teacher coming into a classroom of rowdy kids. Does the teacher come in and just say, okay, everybody be quiet now. No, you walk in there and you take authority. And you say, hey, you, sit down. Be quiet. You're going to listen to me. Well, that was the authority by which Jesus Jesus took control of the situation. You see, did you notice earlier in the story, the spoiler alert that Jesus gave him? Oh, it's like the whole book. There's little spoiler alerts all through the book. The very first verse that we read in verse 35 says very simply, let me, let me, go, let me go back and, and re, reread it for you. Just so you know, just so you know. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. What, what does that mean? Would Jesus take you out to the middle of the lake and then let you drown? No. He told him at the beginning, Guys, let's go to the other side. Jesus comes to you and to me, and he says, in the midst of your chaos, let me take you to the other side. Now, that does not mean that your entire life is going to be really easy sailing. There may be some waves. There may be some rocky times. Jesus was riding the boat with him the entire time. Through the midst of your chaos, Jesus is with you every step of the way. Even though things may seem chaotic, you can still say, Jesus, I call peace, the peace of your Holy Spirit, into this situation. And that's exactly what, what he did. Let's move on here in the story. Wind it up with this. He got up, he calmed the storm. And then everything calmed down. And in verse 40, he asked the questions. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In light of everything that I've taught you and everything that I've done, haven't you learned anything yet? I'm right here with you. Every step of the way, I'm taking you to the other side. There may be some wind. There may be some waves. 
You may take on some water, but you're going to make it. You're going to make it if you hold on. Life isn't always about having smooth sailing. We don't always have smooth sailing. They couldn't or wouldn't see that Jesus was the Son of God. And this is seen by their ultimate question in verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You see, they exchanged fears. At the beginning of the story, their fear was outside the boat. The chaos all around them. That, that was their fear. The fear of the demonic, the fear of, of life, the fear of the concerns, the geopolitical issues, the, the Roman oppression upon them, mask mandates for us, vaccine mandates, border crossing issues. All, all, there's chaos everywhere. Supply chain issues, chaos everywhere. Family members sick, family members fighting. There's chaos everywhere. That's life. And in the midst of it, Jesus says this, quiet, be still. And in the midst of that, he asks a question. He goes, why are you so terrified? After everything was calm on the outside, now they start having self-realization. Hey, you know what? Everything is fine, and I'm at peace out there, but there's turmoil going on in my mind, in my heart, in my life. There's turmoil. They changed fears from what was outside of the boat to who was inside the boat. Because all of a sudden, they realized we are with the Son of God. He has taken complete control over everything. And now he's in my presence. What do I do? We're almost afraid of God. But I'll tell you this much. I would much rather be in the boat having fear and reverence and awe towards God than fearing the pressures of life that surround me. I would rather put my trust in God any day of the week, any time of day, any time of night. You know, getting older, thanks. Part of it does. Part of it's really good. You know, I can get senior discounts and everything else, and, you know, those, those things. Hey, that's, that's cool. What's not so cool is when you wake up almost nightly at, you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep for hours on end. You're wide awake. I pray for a lot of you during that time. You just need to know it. That's just, that's just part, part of life. Yet there can be a deep and abiding peace in the midst of it. So you read scriptures and you read stories like this. Do you let them read you? Do the scriptures read you? Do they tell you of where you are? 
what you're going through, of how you're living? What, what, what are the questions that you ask? Maybe you're on the shore, like some of the people were, just looking and watching the boats as they, as they go out. They become smaller and smaller. Maybe you're just looking out at others and their relationship with Jesus. And you'd say, no, nah, I've heard it. I'm not that interested in it. I think I'll back off. Or maybe you're in one of the other boats. Wouldn't it have been interesting to have been in one of the other boats that were going along with them? And they were in the middle of the chaos as well. And when Jesus spoke to the lake, he spoke to the whole lake. He didn't just speak to that little area where their boat was. All of the boats were benefactors of the miracle that Jesus had just performed. They were all there. Why is everything calm all of a sudden? They could not hear the individual conversations. The, the wind and the waves were too loud. They could not hear what was happening in the boat where Jesus was, but they were just close enough. Is that the way you live your life where it's like, I, 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 want, a, I want a little bit of Jesus, but I, I want Jesus at a safe distance. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want him in my boat but I, I want to receive the blessings that, that he brings. But I don't want to have to change my lifestyle. That's a dangerous place to be. Yet, they were all benefactors. Is that where you are in the story? Are you looking at your own world, thinking, I can do this on my own? I really don't need Jesus? Or do you... Are you at a place where you would say, Jesus, I need you in my boat. My, my storms are just too rough. I need you in my boat with me, Jesus. Help me. Are you maybe one of those disciples that were in the boat, but you're not sure about Jesus? And what can he really do in my world? Can he change me? Can he change situations? Can he change my chaos? Are you just a listener to the story, maybe? Thinking, oh, that's a nice story. I like that one. Jesus wins. That's good. And you walk away from it? Or are you willing to say, God, I need you. In the midst of all of my chaos, I need you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up. Guys, the point of the story is Jesus is here to take care of your chaos. No matter what you're going through, it's not overwhelming to him. No matter what chaos, no matter how many different things are going wrong in your life, in your family, in your world, in our politics, in our economy, in our social gatherings, in our social lives, he reigns supreme, and he can bring peace instantly. He may say, quiet, be still. And that's our call, to be still and let God be in control. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just pray right now that you would allow your peace, you would allow 
your presence to be very close to each one of us. Lord, we need you. We need you desperately. God, be in control. Thank you for that. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the worship team playing behind, let me just ask you this simple question. Is your life chaotic today? Are you experiencing any type of chaos whatsoever? Are there financial concerns that you have? Are there social concerns that you have? Are there relational concerns that you have? Jesus wants to come and speak to you in the midst of your storm. He said, I'm here. Let, let my peace be with you. If you're here today and you need peace in the midst of a storm, and I don't know what that storm is for you, but you need peace in the midst of the storm, would you just raise your hand? I want to, I want to pray with you. Yes, 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 yes. You put your hands right back down. I'm going to ask you to do something that is a little bit on the bold side. But what Jesus did was very bold. I want to ask you, if you raised your hand, just to, to come forward and just to, to line up here. We're, we're going to pray in just a, a moment. I, I just want to, I want to pray with you. Yeah, yeah, just go, go ahead and come forward. If you want peace in the midst of a storm, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Fantastic. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, I really don't know this Jesus, this storm peacemaker, but I, I need him in my life. And you want Jesus Christ to forgive you of, of your sins, and you need Jesus to forgive you. If, if you're here or if you're watching online, we want you to respond online. You can just tag uh, uh, or, or just uh, click on the, the little emoji with the raised hand. Let, let us know. We want to we pray with you. We, we want to we be there for you. If you're here in person, just know that Jesus is storm peacemaker. And he can forgive you of all of your sin. If you're here today and you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, would you, would you raise your hand? You might have come forward. You might be sitting there. I, I don't know. But you, you want Jesus to forgive you of your sin. What we're going to do is we're going to let the, uh, we're going to let the worship team sing. And as they sing, I'm going to mute my mic. So don't worry. Nothing that I, I say to you that have come forward is going to be uh, uh, online or anything like that or be uh, verbalized even in, in, this, in this room. But I, I just want to pray with you. But let's just, let, let's just worship the Lord. That's one of the easiest ways of ushering in the peace of Christ is simply by worshiping Him. And, and I can't think of a better song than Revelation song to do that with. So, worship team, you guys take it. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast. 
but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.